0: Uh, my name is Chris Brochet. My wife, Destiny, and I have been coming to the church for three months now. And we really love to, this, the love and care that we've seen from this church. And um, it's been awesome. And the much, how much they all have got as well. The passage we'll be reading today is 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, which reads, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. This is the word of God.
1: Hi, my name is Addie Norman. I will be attending UTA, and I will be studying nursing. MBC um, has meant a lot to me as a student. The people who make up this home have made a huge impact on my lives. Uh, the time that they have invested into building a relationship with me And the effort spent helping me grow in my knowledge and relationship with Christ has helped me grow more than ever. As we know, Christ can work anywhere and in any circumstance. However, the resources NBC has provided has helped many students in their walk with Christ. And a new student building would impact the lives of many more students in a very positive way. A new student building would Provide a bigger and safer space for students to spend time together and study and learn more about Christ. A new student building would also open up many new opportunities for students to get more involved in church activities and youth group events. Um, It would just allow for the student body to be more involved and connected to the church body.
0: All right, thank you. Well, What, a, what an awesome day. If you've been out in the lobby, you probably saw some of the displays out there. And if you're visiting with us this morning, even the message will be a little bit different. We've been walking through the book of Malachi, but today I'm going to kind of take a little break from that. I wanted to share a few things um, with you today and, and talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we're looking to do moving forward, depending on how God leads the body here at Mansfield Bible. We're, an elder-led church, but when it comes to things like building and so forth, we obviously need the body of Christ to, to uh, vote on those things and to direct in that way. So we want to talk about that a little bit. Last week, I was actually in Widow Pitlock, Maine. Has anybody heard of Widow Pitlock, Maine? Good. I'm glad nobody raised their hand because I don't think uh, one person looked it up for me on the map, found out I was going there. And they said, Greg, I couldn't find it on the map. And I said, well, you really have to keep expanding, you know. And, and then it'll eventually show up. It's a little logging community up in northern Maine. Uh, when I came out of Bible college, I joined Village Missions and uh, ended up, that was my first assignment, was to go to, go to uh, Budapit, Pitlock, Maine. Uh, it was the first pastorate I had. I was there about three and a half years in the time that I was there. This last weekend, I was there because they were celebrating... One hundred and twenty five years of the life of the church in this community, uh, when I was there, probably the community was around three hundred and fifty and has greatly diminished since then because of some of the things that have gone on in the logging community and paper mills and so forth that it 's really distressed the area as far as jobs and so forth so the the community has gotten a lot smaller, but at the same time, this church continues to be faithful and true to the teaching of God's Word. I was very encouraged to see the work and the ministry that they had continually there while I was in Pitlock. And uh, I was, we call it Pitlock, it's Widow Pitlock, but we... Call it Pitlock. Short. I, I one time asked someone, "How did they come up with the name Whittle Pitlock?" Someone said, "Well, there were some natives, and so and then and then someone said, and I think this made the most sense. There was a widow, and her last name was Pitlock, so they called it Whittle Pitlock because of the area. So I don't I don't know where it's at, but it, it, it was it was amazing to be there and to see again people teaching the Word of God. And why is that important? I have a, a, a research, is it if we can put it up there. If you can look at this, this was from Pew Research. In 2014, nine years ago, you can see the age grouping and the number of people that were attending a religious service. So that, that covers a lot of areas. This is, again is just church attendance, if you would. And then two years ago, so I, don't, I didn't have the most update, dated yet, when might be another one that was out from 2020 through 22, but in 2021, just look at the difference. Like if you take the ages 18 to 34, over here it's down to 8.72%. Uh, we are, we, if we are as a church, we need to recognize that we're going through a generational shift as it relates to our relationship with God. This is dealing with church attendance, but it also reflects a relationship to God's Word, but more specifically a relationship and a right relationship with an Almighty God. Um, When we start evaluating ourselves and putting ourselves on the same plane as God and making decisions in our lives, then we start having certain things that diminish. And many times those things that are diminished are the things that relate to Him, our relationship with Him, our worship with Him, our coming together as a body of believers together, together to worship and to make known the truth of God among us and to encourage one another in love and good works. When I saw that, and it was about a month ago, I think, when I, when I found this, and I was just blown away by it. Um, there's, a, there's an aspect at Mansfield Bible Church where we are, um, we're seeing some really neat things. We're seeing a lot of younger couples. We've gotten younger as a church. We've seen a lot of our students uh, growing as well. We've seen, we've seen a lot of our ages where we're seeing a lot of growth in those areas as we continue to teach the Word. We've also seen people who have left because because we teach the Word. We're, the Word of God is going to be our foundation. And that's okay. I am not shifting. There have been times, when I remember when I was doing the college group and leading it a few years ago. And, and uh, there, were, there was one time this one, one young girl who left and got along great, great relationships. But she looked at me and she said, I just don't see the Bible the way you do, Greg. And I just don't think I, I need to be here. And I'm like, I'm, I love you and I'm sorry and I'm still friends with you on I'm still friends with them on Facebook, but there's a difference because we're gonna to hold to true to the word of God. Because the reality is if we don't stand firm in the word of God, then we'll become anything and everything. We'll become whatever people want or whatever people think. And the reality is we're gonna to continue to study God's Word, and we're still going to continue to study. Uh, what it means in our lives. And Jared did a great job last week emphasizing that coming out of the book of Ecclesiastes when you look at the last part of that book. The reality is this is the truth and this is what we're gonna stand on and not everybody's gonna agree with this. And the reality is we're seeing in our culture where people are moving away more and more. So I wanted to take a moment this morning as we present some things and talk about some things, but I wanted to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and uh, if you will, take your Bibles and turn there. In order, when he says there in, um, in, um, in verse 8 to be sober-minded, to be watchful, I always like to go read the previous verses and kind of see, well, why, what led him to say that? And if you were to go back to verse 5, the last part of verse 5, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I've always been amazed at that statement, because humility is something that we all struggle with. Humility seems to imply that we're, just, we're to just put ourselves down, we're supposed to always put everybody out ahead of, every, of ourselves in a way that like, we just kind of look at and put ourselves down and diminish ourselves, but that really isn't the idea of humility. Humility, when you talk about it, is it really is a, an understanding or a lowly-mindedness, but it's really in perspective of who God is. You see, when Peter was writing to these believers, he was writing to a people who had become scattered throughout the, the area because of the persecution. Nero was the emperor at the time, and he was kind of like, uh, wanted to build a new city. So what did he do? He burned the city so that he could build a new city. And in the process, he blamed the Christians for it because so many people were upset and hurt and devastated by the fire that he blamed the Christians. So as a result of that, it ended up the Christians were being persecuted, and they were scattered abroad, and they became exiles in a land that they did not know. And Peter, writing to them, he reminds them that God opposes the proud. And I've always thought, wow, in all the passages and all the places, why does he say that? Because look at verse 6. He says, because humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. When you talk again about this idea of humbleness, it's a lowly-mindedness. It's the understanding of who God is and who I am that he is the king and I am the servant. And the reality is a lot of times in our culture, in our time, in our place where we live, the reality is we don't see that, we see this. We make decisions, we make decisions about life and the guidance of our life based on what we think and God is his word and his truth has become lower and lower and it's more about self. It's more about what do I think? And where is God in all of this? Well, he's in there, but he's kind of like down here somewhere. And the reality is what happens is we begin to make decisions that are based not on the truth of God's word, but we begin to make decisions that are based on our own ways and our own purposes. And Peter's telling these believers, though you would think they're in persecution, though they're going through these tough times, he tells them to humble yourselves. Why? Because you need to have an understanding of the sovereignty of God in your life. Nothing more in my life changed my walk with God than understanding the sovereignty of God in my life. When I understood that he was the king and I'm the servant, it began to change my perspective of the things that he said in his word, the things that he said in my life, and the things in which he directed me as I would go throughout my life. God's direction, his leading, his way. And we as believers need to come to a place and regardless in our circumstances that we have an understanding of that. In fact, it says this idea under the mighty hand of God that oftentimes in the Old Testament symbolizes discipline or deliverance. It had the idea that in the proper timing, God will deliver. In the proper timing, God will exalt at the right time. And this is where we struggle in our walks with God because we want God to do it now. We want all these things now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to go through the pain. We don't want to go the sufferings of this life. We want God to do it now. But humility understands that God has a plan, he has a direction, and he will accomplish that plan, but will we be a people of faith to believe him to do that? Will we be a people that will stand in the firm and the truth of God's word and what he's doing When you humble yourselves before God, verse 7, you look at it, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Why do you cast your anxieties on him? Because one, you understand he's in control and he can address those things. It's when I'm in control that I don't give up my anxieties. I don't give up those things because he cares for you. It means that God is not indifferent to our sufferings, to our difficulties, to our struggles in life. God the Father sending His Son, Jesus Christ, demonstrated His love, His care, and His concern. You see, when we humble ourselves under the sovereignty of God and we cast our cares on Him, but the thing that we need to understand is we need to still be careful. We need to be watchful. Look what he says in verse 8, be sober-minded. It means to be mentally self-controlled, It means to have this idea of understanding of what's going on around you in the world that you might be able to stand. It says to be watchful. It means to be awake, to be watchful about things that are coming. You know, I mean, all of us have had those times where all of a sudden something happened out of the blue and we should have saw it, we knew about it, we understood it, but then boom, it happened. Why? Because we weren't watchful. And it's the same when we talk about it spiritually. Maybe even Peter here might have been reflecting on there in the, in the night in the garden when, when he was shifted by, by Satan and, and he wasn't watchful and he betrayed, betrayed Christ. We as Christians should be alert. Why? Uh, I think Parker has an idea about why, right, Parker? I don't see Parker right yet, but I, I hear Oh, Parker's not here. Oh, I'm, I'm picking on somebody else's. Sorry, I thought it was Parker. Parker usually is the one that's talking at me, you know, in those moments. So, Anyway, no, it's fine. I was just, just looking at an opportunity to harass. So. Yeah, that kind of, and right now Brady's over there gloating, so uh, <laughs> if I know Brady. But we as Christians, we need to be alert, and why? Why do we need to be alert? Look what it, look what it says in the text. <clears throat> it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Our adversary, the devil, he doesn't even, he doesn't even bicep it, you don't know, try to allude to it. He says our, the devil himself, the one who, who betrayed God, the one who would attack each of us. He's always seeking for an opportunity to destroy the people of God or even the people who don't know God. Satan calls him your enemy and likens him to a lion in search of a prey. It's so so funny that so many times we wander around, around thinking we're safe when we're not. There's always something that wants to distract us and steal us away to to, to, to detour us from Christ. The reality is we have an adversary that is after you. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it in the future, I'll keep saying it. That there is an adversary that we have in, in, in our adversary, the devil, who wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to destroy your grandchildren. This is not not for the weak. We don't stand here in the truth of God's word with half hearts. We stand here in the truth of God's word because we have an adversary that wants to destroy those that we care about, not only ourselves, but those that we know and love. We find ourselves in a battle each and every day, and the reality is sometimes we think, oh, we got to go fight this battle, but the text tells us in verse 9 to resist him, that our response to this opposition that we have to this, from this adversary is not one to panic. It's not one to be, be afraid and run in fear, but it's to stand in a firm resistance of faith. Because we have faith in the God Almighty who from everlasting to everlasting is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. When it says to resist, it means to withstand. It means to withstand that that's coming, to be firm against someone who who else is kind of bringing an onslaught. They're they're attacking. When we're standing, we're not moving. Like a rock that the water hits against, hits against, hits against, we will not move. Why? Because the truth of who God is. It's a term of defense rather than attack. Because our God has already gained the victory. He's already done the work. We, by his peop- as his people, stand firm against our adversary, only as we depend on Christ. Immovable because of Christ. It's, it's, as I looked at this church and as I watched this church this last week and there was people that I, that I saw that I hadn't seen in a long time, still teaching the word of God, still preaching the gospel, unmovable. We too must stand firm against our adversary, not against ourselves, but against him. It is faith that depends on the strength of our God Understands the protecting power of our God, that we stand firm. It was interesting, one commentator, when he took that phrase, in faith, he says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that, <clears throat> knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, that there was many that were suffering, but that in your faith, he described it this way, the idea of in your faith, he took it from Revelations chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, where Satan is being overthrown. And he, and, he, and, the, and he quoted the verse there. It says this, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. In other words, because of their faith in Christ, because of what Christ did in the atonement for our salvation, what Christ did because of what he did, they didn't even shrink back from death, but they willingly accepted who they were because in their faith, it was their trust and their faith in an almighty God. And it's the question we have to ask. Are we a people of faith and trust? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 should have that up here in a second, but it says this. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by the, our spoken word or by our letter. In other words, the, what he's saying to them in view of their calling, if you were to go back in the, in the context, because that they were chosen because of who they were as God's people, they were to stand firm and hold to the traditions that they were taught. They weren't to be swayed or moved one way or the other. And we need to be careful not to let things to come into our lives that allows us to, to let go of those truths that we know that are correct. That we would allow our relationship with our God that we have to grow cold because of the influences around us. We need to vigorously hold to what has been taught by God's servants. All of us can name people who have taught and invested in our lives the truth of God's word. And as a result of that, how it has impacted our lives. When I was in Maine last week, I gained such encouragement. As I saw this small group of people in a small community, distressed, struggling financially as a community, And yet they did, they would joy with confidence in the Word of God, continue to preach. People like Mary Ann and her mother Doreen, generational, continuing to hold fast. Or a man by the name of Paul, want to set in on him, just one of the best jobs of teaching the Bible. Ron, who was one of my deacons, who put up with this young man coming out of college. I mean, I'm still learning, but I don't know how he put up with me at that time. But faithful, faithful. And then I was so moved when I ran into Alan. I prayed for Alan. I don't know that he ever came to church the time I was pastor there. But now he's a faithful because he heard the gospel, and he responded. And by faith, he's coming after It was such a joy. It was such a joy to see this faithfulness in their lives. And it reminded me how important, as I flew back, and I had so many delays and stuff, but I had lots of time to sit there and just think of their faithfulness to the word of God in such a community. And here we are at Mansfield Bible Church, that we have in this community, in this place. We're not somewhere else. We're here. And we have people across the street and around us who don't know the gospel. And we've been faithful to teach the word. NBC has been a church that has strived to do exactly that throughout the history of the church, strived to, to stand firm on the word of God, to teach it. I came back, I came to Mansfield Bible in 1998. We were... The church was meeting over there on Dallas and Main Street. At the time, there was a a pharmacy and a flower place, and there was this little office building over there. But it wasn't the buildings that drew me. It wasn't the things that, that drew me. It was the Word of God, because God held hold. The church held strong to the teaching of God's Word. And they've carried on what had been started. I remember as I became an elder in 2003 in the church. And I remember the charge of the people and the men that challenged me and the different ones that asked questions and challenged me as an elder. And the thing that I kept hearing was to, this idea to hold firm to the truth of God's word. I think, I think James is here this morning. James, I think you were one of the men back in the day. Before I came, the church started in a home in 1985, met for four or five months. Back in the day, some of you may have known them, the Irvings and the Goodalls, were key members as the church started. You, within the next few years, the Raychecks and the Gorells came along, and you know, you know the Raychecks, maybe, if you've been around the Gorells, Katie's parents. They've been here, and there have been many others who have come and are still here. But if you look back after four or five months, in 1986 of January, they started meeting in a little building off of the golf course. In fact, when you leave here today, you go out here, and you turn right, and you go down Country Club. When you get to the Country Club, the entrance right there on your left is some homes, okay? And the Country Club's on your right, but the home's on your left. And when the home's in, and there's a street, and the and the golf course starts on the left. There's a little shack over there behind the, behind, the, behind the green. That's where Mansfield Bible started meeting. And I think they use it as a tool shed now, I believe. <laughs> we started there. And then God, God blessed. And we moved to a daycare center over on, uh, on Debbie Lane. Then we met in a Seventh-day Adventist church. Because they met on Saturdays. So it was open <laughs> on Sundays. We met. I think we got kicked out because Greg kept going on Saturdays, passing out flyers to go to a Bible study on Sunday. Always teaching God's Word. Encouraging the saints in the truth of God's Word. We, always, we never stopped. Then, the, then the, I had the opportunity to buy a doctor's office over on Dallas and Main Street. Just a little office there. We met inside there All of our Sunday school, whatever we had was in that little building, and by the grace of God, some men built the building out behind it, so there was a little parking space between that building and the little church there, and we put markings on the parking lot, and that's where Juana's was, because we didn't have a whole lot of space inside, and then by the grace of God, we were able to rent the building next to it, which was an old office building, became a store building. We were allowed to remodel it and we began to meet in there, and the students began to meet out in the little building we met out back, and then we had children's. But anytime it rained, it was just, you know, kind of a run to one place to another. Um, that, yeah, you're smiling because you remember that too. Um, every time, every time, we just continued to teach God's word. We didn't know anything, we didn't, all we knew was the Bible. We weren't smart enough to know. Anything else? We just kept calling people to Jesus. God allowed us to buy 15 acres over off of Broad and Cannon over there. We had that, and then the city put Broad Street through it, and we ended up selling the pro- property and different things. We were still thinking about building over there. Different things happened that didn't allow that. And one of those things that happened is this property became available. We put an offer in on the building, and the church that was meeting here voted. And they voted, even though there was three other churches and they were all Southern Baptists and we were the only one that wasn't, they voted to sell it to us by the grace of God. So in 2007, we took a big step of faith and we moved into this building. Do you remember what was going on in the economy in 2007? But God was able. We made plans to upgrade. We upgraded the inside. We upgraded this, this room. But before that, we upgraded the the link, and then, which was an old the old chapel where the church met, and then we upgraded the loft, the lobby, and then we upgraded in here because it's, we didn't do really much on the outside. But one of the things that was always true is we never wavered in teaching God's word. Regardless of the buildings, we remain steadfast in teaching God's word. That's what we have always done. It's what we will always do. We've seen generational growth, when you see Matt up here leading, he grew up in our youth group. Katie, I think it's the only church. I think Jeremy, you're the same way. Um, Justin, I don't know if he's here this morning, but I saw Brian came up through our, through our youth group. We have others that, or some are Tamara back there. I'll look out over here and some of y'all start popping out at me. Um, but God has given us generational group, growth whereby those are the ones that are leading now. How, what a blessing. We believe that God has put us here to continue to teach God's word to the generations that will continue to come to MBC. When I became an elder, sorry. When I became an elder, I made a commitment that as long as I was an elder in this church, we will always teach God's word. Maybe we're not perfect. And we have a lot of flaws. I have a lot of flaws. If you know me, you know I have a lot of flaws. But I love I love my God, and I love His Word that reveals Him, and we will never waver from the truth of God's Word, no matter what. Coming out of the pandemic um, was a difficult time. Jared did a great job leading our students through the pandemic. They moved out to the portables, and I was growing concerned that if the youth continue to grow, what do we do with, those, with those, those portables? What do we do over there? And our students continue to grow. Uh, We're seeing numbers pretty consistently in the 40s, 5s range. We're seeing some 50s. And to be honest with you, that, that portable over there is just full. Praise God, amen? We've seen more and more students to coming up. In fact, we looked at it over the next five years If things stayed the way they were, we have more students coming up into our student ministry than we have that are graduating. And our portables are are in poor shape. If you've, you know, someone said to me, has has anybody been out there to look at the portables? I was like, well, the only people that know is our students. You know, because a lot of our adults don't. Um, We've replaced the footing around them underneath. The wood frame underneath it, we've replaced underneath them. Uh, we've had them re-leveled two or three times. We've done all that because they keep, it keeps rotting, they keep bending, and there's 50 kids that are jumping around and bouncing on the darn thing every week. <laughs> when you walk across it, you can feel the unlevel spots. In fact, you can go and look, and there's one starting to split at the top. Those portables are about 30 years old now. And we continue to do multiple repairs to plumbing, doors, and the decking needs to be redone. So all this causes us to look at what we could do to better improve our opportunities to teach the Word of God to our students. We can teach the Word of God anywhere. I understand that. But at the same time, can we reach more kids? And, I, and I've seen throughout the history of Mansfield Bible, every time God has given us more square footage, He's given us more opportunities. And so the, so the leadership is proposing a building project. You saw it out in the lobby, and we're looking to the church to vote. We would like to build a new student center for the students, but also to give us some more spaces for our NBC Institute classes so that we can teach the word, Bible studies, and other things that are going on out there. So if you hadn't seen them out there, if you will, put up the student building, if you will. This is one of the proposals. This would be out that way, and there you would have a walkway all the way across so that you don't have to walk out in the rain like we used to have to do that. Um, it would, it would, uh, this end would be the classrooms. That end would be the worship. This is kind of a lobby area. If you, if you will, go to the floor plan. Look at the floor plan just to give an idea. So, here's the walkway, and you would walk in to this gather area, which is pretty large. Right now, the students have Portable B that they do a lot of, they have a lot of different items in there where they can hang out. We thought about putting some of those there, and and then also, this is about 2,000 square feet of a worship area. And so, they would have plenty of room to continue to grow, do their breakout. There's two large classrooms that we would put here, but We also looked at being able to put in dividers, not those accordion ones that don't hold any sound. They just keep you from seeing the person talking is all they do. But we're looking at putting in some good dividers so that we can seal it both in the ceiling and in the floor. So we could actually have four classrooms. So when they break out, they immediately have four classrooms. They have this area as well. And then we have a couple of restrooms. And then again, we have two more large classrooms that we can do the same thing with. So if the youth continue to grow, they can eventually grow into here where we have some other options that we could do. But otherwise, right now we can move these into some of our institute classrooms or Bible studies will give us some more flexibility that we would have in, in time. If you will, go ahead and go to the site plan. So just to kind of give an idea, here's where we are, existing church. We're actually right in here right now. And so we have our children's area as well. And then over here, if we, this is where we're proposing to put the building. We wanted a, a grassy area because we do a lot of our get-togethers and so forth, our church gatherings. And people would like to have a place where they could sit. So we would have our covered area that should be about 16 feet wide going across that would allow that. We can put an area here where we can let the kids... Play when we have a big gathering area as well. Um, and also we'd still have our volleyball and different things out here as well. So that's kind of what we're looking at, the site, site plans and what we're looking at. One of the things we wanted to do in this process is in the student buildings, we also wanted to upgrade our outside of our building. We've not done that. We've been here 17 years and still haven't, still haven't done that. So if you will go to the next, this is a little bit more mobile. Stop that for a minute if you can, thank you. So this is the educational side of the building, our children's area. This has become, <clears throat> this has become very involved. We have a great relationship with our with a, a, a renter, a school that we have in there. Many of our church members go to sc- have children that go to school there. We have, we have at least one, I think maybe two, that work there as well, that teach there. And it's become a very awesome relationship. But the second side of it is, is our juanas group has now moved to Wednesday nights. And our Wednesday nights is looking a lot like Sundays. We have a lot of people on campus during our Wednesday night. We have our Awana's meeting over here. We have our students meeting out here. We have several Bible studies. We have the Institute going. We have the Spanish ministry going. We have so many things that are taking place. I would encourage you to consider that. If you, if you have young children, you want them to learn the Word of God, there isn't a better program than, than Awana's to learn the Word of God. So I would encourage that. So we've been using... We're using that building and for a lot of those things Sunday mornings our, uh, we have our children's over there Wednesday nights we have Awana's. Go ahead and start it here. Oh, also the other thing, we're looking at here too, maybe putting children's center. So when you pull on the lot, a lot of people say when you first come you don't know where to go. <laughs> and so we're talking about putting children's center and if you will go ahead and start it again. Again, this is, if you will stop it there. Uh, this is This is the front of of the link. Uh, looking out that way, uh, we're actually, it's like if you were standing at that end of the lot looking down at these buildings. So here uh, we would put this facade up here. We've done the same thing on the children's as well. And then there's a little walkway here for people to be able to come in. Go ahead and start it again. Here's, here you begin to see the walkway coming out of. So we take the other one down. This one has to be uh, 14 feet or something. For fire engines and so forth to get underneath, and then we would lower it down. Go ahead and start it again. You can see the walkway going across over to the to the student building, and we have this parking area. We have a lot there. Go ahead and pause it there. We have a lot that's going on where we can do things out here. Park, like kids can walk over, and there's the there's the student building. So that's kind of what we're kind of what we're looking at. We're asking that you would. Vote on the project, um, the complete project. This is not. This is a big undertaking for our church. Right now, we're looking at about two million dollars to do all of this. Um, There, there's, there's great opportunity here. If you have questions, we're not going to be able. I'm not going to be able to answer all the questions out here. There's a poster out there that has a. Frequently asked questions on it. You're more than welcome. Please go look at that. If you have other questions, there's going to be people out there in that area that you can ask Greg and Bo and Matt, um, Josh and Christy. I think are all going to be out there. They they can answer your question. The voting will start taking place today, um, and it will go through till October 1st. So that's three Sundays. You can vote in the lobby. There's a paper one where you can go online on the first part of the first page of the website you can vote there where you can vote in the church center app I want I want to make this one thing clear we will continue to preach and teach the word of God that is not going to we've done it from the beginning and that will continue in the days ahead a building does not make us who we are but it does allow us the opportunity to reach and to teach and to preach God's word even more people. Every time when I looked at this history, and that's why I took some time to talk through it, every time God gave us a bigger spot for us to bring people together, he's given us more people to teach the word of God. It's been the, the way it's been throughout the history. He's opened doors every single time. And so we're looking forward to seeing what God will do in that way as well. I also wanted to say as I close here, we need to remember that in a room this size, there can be many different opinions and ideas okay and we need to guard our hearts that we don't allow our adversary to divide us and to create conflict this isn't the purpose of something like this this is the purpose of seeing what does god want to do and we're asking you as the church family to vote ask questions have your ideas we want to we want to we want sincerely Trust the Lord in this. If we are to build, may God lead us and provide, amen. amen? If we are not to build, may God lead us and give us wisdom to address the issues we are facing. And that's kind of the attitude of the leadership here. That's the attitude of the elders. We're, we're, we don't want to force this down anybody that isn't the intent. But we want, to, we want people to look at it, to pray about it, and to vote on us to help give us direction as we move forward. And that's the direction that we're going as the leaders. Amen? Take a moment, close your eyes, just in the quietness of the moment, and let's just pray. Let's ask God to give us insight. So as in the quietness of bowing your head and closing your eyes for a moment, just ask God to give direction. Because if we move forward, all of us are involved. If we don't, all of us are still involved. This is the body of Christ. We are his people. So ask the Lord to give wisdom and insight and understanding. To guard our hearts from forcing our own ideas and our own ways. That includes me as an elder or any of the other elders but asking God to direct us in this. Father, we, um, we come before you because Lord, you've been faithful ever since 37, 38 years ago that you brought Greg and Susan into our community that, Lord, by the faithfulness of your, of your servant and the servants that were with him. That, Lord, you, you guided us and you taught us. And, all, Father, all we knew is to remain true to the word, and that's what we've done. And so, Lord, in this we ask for wisdom. We ask for insight. We know that, Father, that there are different ways to, to always do different things. But God, we ask for wisdom in this and your direction. And we ask, Father, as well, that whatever direction we lead, we ask, Father, that you provide, that you would do above and beyond what we can ever think or imagine. And that, Lord, you would continue to be pleased to bring more, to come to hear the word of God. And that, Lord, we would be faithful to continue to teach the word, to always point people to Jesus, To always remember that without Christ we don't have any standing before you to always remember that Lord we are your people you're the king and we're the servants so guide us in your ways and your purposes in Jesus name amen